I left off last time using an illustration of uh, a pastor, well-known pastor, saying to his wife, uh, stand up. You know, he's in the middle of the message, stand up. She stands up. He says, jump up and down. And she's done jumping up and down. Now, I wasn't trained in psychology, but they call that conditioning. It's similar to what they do with children with grooming. In other words, incrementalism to get... To, and also, the idea was, well, if, if my wife will do this for me, then you should too. And while I was uh, coming over here, the Lord reminded me of an incident that happened here a few years back on a Wednesday night. I'm standing over there during worship time, and I saw myself sitting in a chair on the stage laying hands on people. And uh, not that it matters, but that's what Oral Roberts used to do to save his strength. So I just did what I saw. I had the ushers bring a chair up here, and I told people, don't say anything to me, but if you need healing, come through the line. And I laid hands on people. And there were various manifestations. Now later, we heard a lot of testimonies out of that Wednesday night. My point is, some of what we see going on that is not biblical is nefarious. But some of what we see going on that's not biblical is ignorance. And this is why, I didn't bring the reference, but we have to handle people according to what Jesus taught us, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And the thing that I've learned over my coming up, <laughs> it's hard to believe, but in 13 months, it'll be 50 years of preaching the gospel, is to be gracious. I've learned that. So anyway... Uh, More people came in the line than I would have thought, and uh, it got to be about 8 o'clock or 8.05, and uh, Vicki Gonzalez said later, she was wondering, what, is, what was I going to do? Because there were about 20 people left in the line. And I wondered myself, <laughs> and I saw, and uh, I learned from... Paul Young E. Cho, who pioneered and pastored the largest church in the world, how to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in the middle of a service. And so I walked right over there to where the ushers had these folks lined up. There were about 20 of them. And uh, I laid hands on the first one. Boom, 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 boom. They all went down. Now, this is my point. That happened that night following the leading of the Holy Spirit. And somebody might say, well, how do you know that was God that night? Well, because nobody got hurt. You ever bang your head against somebody else's head? Uh, so 20, boom, 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 boom. Uh, nobody got hurt. So, but now if I did that tonight, said, all right, 20 of you line up over here, I could do it 100 times and not have the results of that night. Can you see that? So, even Jesus likened the moving of the Spirit to the wind. He said, you don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where it's going. 
The Apostle Paul said that these gifts are severally as he wills. So when, when you have a minister, I use this illustration I think two or three Wednesdays back, who chastises people for not falling down, what has, uh, let's, let's give two versions of this. Let's give the ignorant version and let's give the nefarious version. So on the ignorant version, that has happened in his ministry at some point in time. The power of God was present. The spirit of God was moving and people fell under the anointing. But because he wants to direct it and control it, he wants to orchestrate it then he's trying to manipulate people to get a certain result. That's the ignorance version. The nefarious version is somebody like that knows exactly what they're doing and it's showmanship. It's hucksterism. So I thank God for my fathers in the faith and you should thank God that we're honest ministers of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because we're not ignorant and we're not nefarious. Amen. Amen. So if the Lord says do something, I'll do it. First time I pulled somebody out of a wheelchair was up at I-30. Must have been 20, 35, 30, 20, 25, 30 people in the line. And I'm over here on the left side up at I-30. And in my peripheral vision, I see somebody over here in a wheelchair. But... As I learned from Dr. Paul Young, he chose in my spirit man, in my spirit man, not my mind, my spirit man, I saw myself, I mean, I'm praying for somebody over here. I saw myself over there, take him by the hand, like uh, the book of Acts and help him to his feet. And when, and I didn't think a thing of it. You know, when it's God, it's God. And when it's not, it's not. And when these things cannot be orchestrated, When we pioneered this church, there were uh, three very large mega churches in the Metroplex. They're all gone. One of them, the pastor had his wife greet people in the lobby, and she had a, I don't know what the technology was. That was a long time back, but she had a microphone on her. And so she would mention somebody's hair color or something about them. And, oh, you're visiting from Dayton, Ohio, or, oh, you, you know, uh, when, did you, when did this accident happen to you or whatever? And so then when her husband came out, he was able to say, there's somebody here from Dayton, Ohio, they're in, a, they're in crutches, and they had an accident, you know, and this and that. <laughs> Apparently, people have not read the Bible, and they have no idea that we're going to be judged for deeds done in the body. Amen? Amen? So here at Faith Christian Center, we just stay with the Bible. It seems to me to be the safest thing to do. And listen, a lot of this, this whole world out here, this, this insane world out here, they're playing dress up and they're, they're doing make-believe. Church ought to be somewhere where people can come in and escape the insanity. We shouldn't be doing dress up and insanity. Make believe. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. and The word was God. Verse 2, he was with God in the beginning. So the word is God. 
or we could say it this way, just like you and your word are one, if your word's no good, you're no good, God and his word are one. So we just stay with the word. Now here's a recent example. Just last Wednesday night, I am told, I didn't witness it myself, but I'm told last Wednesday night we had a screamer in the service, a woman screaming during the song service. Now, if that was you and you're here tonight, don't be embarrassed because we're not going to call you out. Plus, we've all missed it. We've all made mistakes. There are only two times in the Word of God where the word scream is used. First, when Potiphar's wife lied about Joseph and said that he tried to rape her and she claimed that she screamed out for help and he ran out. That's Genesis 39, 15. And the second time the word scream is used in the Bible is in the regulations for fornication and adultery. In Deuteronomy 22, 24, it says that if a married woman is in town and she claims she was raped, but no one heard her scream, both the rapist and the woman were to be put to death. Now, the regulations are different out in the countryside where a woman might scream and not be heard. Now, neither of those two references apply to worship services or congregational meetings in any way whatsoever. Now, we're reasonable people. Tell, you, tell, you, tell the person sitting next to you, he's, they're reasonable people. And if someone's healed, suddenly, they might scream out in a physical reaction. And we understand that. We do. I mean, if, like when T.L. Osborne would preach the Word of God, uh, people would be healed. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So it's possible at any given point in time something fantastic and miraculous could happen in someone's life. And see, I grew up in this. From the age of five, I attended a full gospel church. But a lot of people have not grown up in this. I had a kind of a middle-aged, youngish to middle-aged Hispanic man come up to us. He was, uh, I think, somebody's boss. He owned a company. Somebody invited him a few weeks back, and he was at the 11 o'clock service. See, we take things for granted. And he said to us, he had never been in a service where he felt the presence of God. See, now we take things for granted. But when people come to a church like this, from a background other than this, the first time they sense the presence of God, a lot of times there's a physical reaction because our bodies, our physical, natural human bodies are not used to the presence of God. A lot of times when I'm out walking and praying, I'll just stop. I mean, I cannot take another step with assurance that I won't fall. But that happens once in a year. It's not something that's regular or habitual. Sometimes on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night, you'll see me move toward the podium or the pulpit and take hold of it. It's not because I'm old. It's because I'm struggling to stand under the power of God. But you understand, I've been in this 
61 years. I've been in these type churches 61. But if somebody walks in the door and they have not been in the presence of God, and it's interesting when you do the annual Bible reading because it's not called presence. It's called the presence. And in the newer Bibles, it is capitalized as it should be. The presence. And that's why there were such strict regulations on the Holy of Holies. Because that's where the presence of the Lord was. You just didn't do what you wanted in there. If it, when the high priest once a year offered atonement for the sins of the people, on his garment there were bells and around one ankle there was a rope tied. And when he was in there performing his once a year duties, they would listen for the jingling of the bell or bells. And if it stopped, by and by, they'd pull him out with the rope because he had gone in there with unconfessed sin. See, he had to make atonement for himself first, then go in and make atonement for the people. But if he was in there with a wrong heart, you can't stand there and live. And they'd pull him out with a rope. See, that would keep preachers straight. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, listen, we're reasonable people, and we understand all of this. But when someone screams from one end of the service to the other, just for the heck of it, uh, they're doing something that's not biblical. Now, somebody might say, Pastor, you just can't be that tight on the Bible. We are, because this is how we stay out of ditches. Let me say that again. This is how we stay out of ditches. We don't go off on the ditch on the right. We don't go off on the ditch on the left. We just stay right down the middle of the road with the Word of God, making room for God to move but we're not going to manufacture a move of God because we're honest people. On top of that, when, when people just scream for the heck of it, they're violating our peace and they're, they're disturbing our peace and they're not conducting themselves decently and in order uh, according to the Apostle Paul, as the Apostle Paul instructed. 1 Corinthians 14, 40, let all things be done decently and in order. So how, how, how do we handle that? Now, last Wednesday, no, nobody said anything to anybody. It just, it, it wasn't something that anybody dealt with. But what we would typically do is calmly explain to that person after the service that screaming is not a biblical activity, like I just did. There's only two references. This is easy to search now. So you can search your Bible. S-C-R-E-A-M, and then the whatever that symbol is, and you get every version of scream. There's only twice. So it's not a biblical activity. It's not a, an activity to be engaged in during worship or sermons. All right. And so we're, we, we very calmly and politely explain to people that they can get a hold of themselves when at Faith Christian Center and not scream, or they can go down the road and scream somewhere else. And that's how we handle it. Now, why do we take this stance? And here it is. Why do we take that stance? 
Because if we tolerate screamers, we will repel critical thinkers. And we cannot build a church on screamers. But we can build a church on critical thinkers. Now, you could go and meditate on what I just said. And you understand, churches have culture. When we pioneered this church, the biggest church in the county was a full gospel church. And I was just horrified. Guy said, you know, they had a guest speaker. You ought to go with me and hear this guest speaker. I said, okay. I mean, I was curious. It was a reason to go visit that church. I'd never been in that church. They had a guy that barked like a dog. I mean, that was his so-called gift of the Holy Spirit. I couldn't make this up. Tell your neighbor, pastor could not make this stuff up. He barked like a dog. Now listen. I've never searched for it. But I'm sure that barking like a dog, I mean, why would I waste my time on that? But this is not biblical activity. I don't even like it when my neighbor's dog barks. Why would I come to church? I mean, I'm a smart guy. I've got a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, an earned doctorate degree. I'm, I mean, I myself am not going to go to a church where some guy barks like a dog. I'm not going to do it. So, so do you see how when you tolerate that, you run off. See, if you have a barking dog culture, you're not going to be able to afford what phase two is going to cost. Because the only way the money's coming in for phase two is, let me tell you, the, the barking dog guy is not going to cover. If you, you could have 1,500 bark, barking dog guys or 1,500 screamers, and you're not going to be able to afford to build phase two. They're looking at me in that tone of voice, so I'm not sure. <laughs> See, no self-made businessman wants to be anywhere near a screaming woman. It's just that simple. And if you have not figured it out here, because I, I mean, I, I get some interesting uh, interactions. But if you have not figured it out here, I pastor the men. That's what I do. So... I'm focused on the men. And, and no, no self-made businessman wants to be anywhere near some screaming woman. And so we just don't tolerate it. Now we're polite. Do unto others. Jesus taught, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So we, we try and talk to them. This is, this is what we send Pastor Sue to do. You know, uh, talk to them calmly, dispassionately, after a service, and be kind because it's wrong. This will help you. Yes, we can judge somebody's conduct, but we cannot judge their heart and their motive in a lot of situations. Now, if somebody's a child molester, sure, we can go right to Z and judge their motive. But I'm talking about stuff like this it doesn't have to be nefarious. It could just be ignorance. And so that's why we deal kindly with them. Amen. But we don't tolerate it. We don't, we don't, we don't let it go on and on and on and on. Amen. 
So here at Faith Christian Center, we go by the word. That's it. We go by the word. That's it. Revelation 19, 11, God and his word are one and Jesus is the word of God. Say it out loud. God and his word are one, God and, his word are one. and Jesus is the word. Revelation 19, 11, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true with justice. He judges and makes war. Say it out loud. Our God is a God of war. You ought to go home tonight and look it up on YouTube. It's one of the greatest messages that's ever been preached by one of the healing evangelists, A.A. A. Allen. God is a killer. You ought, to, you ought to look it up and listen to it or watch it because it'll sober you right up. A.A. A. Allen. God is a killer. And I didn't bring that reference, but the Bible says that. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. And his name is the Word of God. So God and his Word are one, and Jesus is the Word. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. Tell your neighbor, he's talking about sweet Jesus here. See, this is where, this is where ignorance can, you know, they used to say uh, ignorance is no excuse. Well, that's true with spiritual things as well because what they're doing right now in a lot of evangelicalism is separating out the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. They're painting Jesus like this sweet thing in the New Testament. And, you know, it's not the same as that God in the Old Testament. You're doing great damage to the Word of God when you do this, and you're lying to people. They're, they're one. Now we're dealing with different covenants. We're dealing with different dispensations. See, when Jesus came the first time, it threw God's people for a loop because they were expecting a man of war and they got a baby in a manger. This generation is expecting a baby in a manger and they're going to get a man of war. When he comes, the Bible says the blood of men will flow to the horse's bridle. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. There'll be no money laundering then. God and his word are one, and Jesus is the word of God. And the only way you're going to get anything from God could be the most important words you've heard this year. The only way you're going to get anything from God is by believing his word, <clears throat> confessing his word, and taking action on his word. The only way you are going to get anything from God is by believing his word, confessing his word, and taking action on his word. All you've got to do to get your miracle is what America did with Fauci. 
This generation will be judged harshly. They heard, they believed, they repeated, and they took action. It's an interesting process, isn't it? The process of faith and the process of fear are identical. Kenneth Hagin used to teach that faith is the result of hearing and believing God's words and fear is the result of hearing and believing Satan's words. But the process is very similar. 1 John 5, 14 and 15, this is the confidence we have. Confidence. I dealt with this Sunday. This world out here, everywhere they're sowing uncertainty. Uncertainty, you don't even know what you are anymore. Thank God, thank God, thank God. Sue never wondered what she was. Because we would have real trouble. We came home from our honeymoon and we just stopped by to say hi to my parents. You know, we were married. And uh, she said, what are you going to spend my mom? You going to spend the night here? No. You going to spend the night at Sue's parents? No. Well, Sue could spend the night at her parents and you could spend the night here. <laughs> now, now, you have to remember, because you think about people getting married, people today get married, you know, later in their late 20s, 30s. We were 20, 20, 20 years old. And I told her, I'm not, I'm not staying in your house. And Sue's not going to her parents' house. I said, I'm married. I'm taking this girl down to the motel. <laughs> she told me later, she said it was at that moment she knew she had married a man. I mean, you know, there are women been married to somebody for 10 years and they're still not sure they married a man. I mean, he could be a boy or he could be something else because uncertainty, uncertainty, uncertainty. That Supreme Court justice, they, they just put on the Supreme Court, she couldn't define woman. So this is what they're doing. They're sowing the seeds of uncertainty everywhere. But the Apostle John says, this is the confidence. Say it out loud. We can have confidence. See, you go to churches and they say, well, sometimes it's the will of God to heal. Sometimes it's not. What is that? Uncertainty. This is the confidence. Say it again. We can have confidence. We can have confidence. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of Him. Now here's a paraphrase. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to His Word, He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. You go by the word. That's why we've always encouraged people to find at least two or three scriptures that cover your case. If you're praying to God about anything and you cannot rehearse the word to him upon which you are standing in faith, you are wasting your time. I mean, that's a hard thing to say, but you're wasting your time. 
The only way you're going to get anything from God is by believing His Word, confessing His Word, and taking action on His Word because above all things, God has exalted His name and His Word. Psalm 138, verse 2, I will bow down toward your holy temple and will praise your name for your love and your faithfulness for you have exalted above all things your name and your word. This is why the first commandment is you're not to take the name of the Lord, the names of the Lord in vain. You're not to have any other gods. He's exalted his name. And it's in his names, for example, Jehovah Rapha, we find out he's our healer. Uh, Jehovah Jireh, we find out he's our provider. He's exalted his name, his names, and he's exalted his word. He, he did it. We're not trying to do it. Oh, man, down there at Faith Christian Center, they're just trying to exalt the Bible. No, we're not. We, but we're, we're intelligent people, and we can read. And we see here where God has exalted above all things his name and his word. So we go to him based on his word. We don't go to him based on what mommy said. We don't go to him based on what some preacher somewhere said. We go to him based on his word. Let me give you uh, two quick examples and wrap up this whole thing of weirdoism. Go home tonight and find any place in the Bible where anybody, any prophet of God, any apostle of God, or the Lord Jesus Christ himself got a bunch of people to pray about something. You know how many times that's in the Bible? Nada. Go home and try and find one place in the Word of God where a prophet of God, an apostle of God, or the Lord Jesus Christ organized a fast. How many times do you think that's in the Bible? Nada. So why do it? When Christina went to Springfield, Missouri to work on a master's degree in psychology, uh, there was a church right across the highway from where she lived for those months. And so she and her mom went over there on a Sunday to visit. It was all these, it was, you know, I wasn't there. Thank God I wasn't there. But they told me how sad and pitiful it was. It was all these, you know, old white people. And uh, during the worship service, they were hitting beach balls around the room. I mean, we live in a generation where stupidity is not just out there, you know, and the church ought to be influencing the culture, but that's not what's going on right now. The culture is influencing the church. So here at Faith Christian Center, we're just doing what God's already done. He's exalted his name and his word. So it's the word. We just go by the word. Amen. And my feeling is, in, some, in one way, churches are like restaurants. You know, it's not like the movie where every restaurant's a Taco Bell. So uh, you have Chinese restaurants, and you have Italian restaurants. You have these various restaurants, and you know, Viva la Difference. So, uh, um, it's like people who come to St. Paul's, and, and they want to try and manipulate us into making St. Paul's more like public school. Our answer has been the same since 1988, and that is this. 
We are not that. We are the alternative. If you want that, then go get that. We are who we are. We're not trying to be like that. Because if we tried to be like that, then where would the difference be? Can you see that? And the same thing holds true with Faith Christian Center. And I'll tell you this. <laughs> you know, we met with the architects again today and they're questioning us about the vision of the church and things. And, you know, I'm trying to explain who we are. And, you know, uh, look, we, we want this next phase that we build to be cool. I like cool. I'm in favor of cool. I like cool. You know, if you don't believe I like cool, you're not paying attention to what I'm driving. <laughs> I like cool. But I'm not going to change what we're teaching to try and be cool. Can you see the difference? So if we were drawing that cafe today, we wouldn't draw it just like that. But, you know, we updated it. And so when I sit in there, I think, man, this is pretty cool. Now the next one will be cooler. But in other words, I think it's cool. But that's not like changing the definition of marriage. You see the difference? In other words, if, if we can make something a little cooler or, you know, we're, we're all for that. But we're not going to change the Bible for numbers and money. Because I made up my mind a long time back. I'm not going to hell. So we're just not going to do that. All right. So let's pick back up on the main line and talk about the census. I don't know if we'll get there tonight. But uh, Romans 8 in the Greek is fabulous on the discussion of sense knowledge. We've lived so long in the realm of the senses that it's difficult for many of us to realize what and who we are in Christ. And this is what holds people in bondage. And without meaning to, without choosing to, we can unconsciously lapse into the old life seeing ourselves as we were and not as we are. Actually, that's how we got into this subtopic on where does Pentecostal and full gospel weirdoism come from because we were in James 1, 22 to 24. And as has been my custom over the years, we were in the NIV. But then we read it also in the King James. And that's what led us on our side journey. But we were talking about not just living our lives in the realm of the senses. Ephesians 1, 7 to 9 is simply not a workable reality for many Christians today. Ephesians 1, 7 to 9, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us, lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. So this love that He lavished on us, He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Now, we're not going to name names, and I'm not going to ask you to point anybody out here tonight. But when you look around the body of Christ, do you see people operating with wisdom and understanding? I mean, when you think about Christianity in America in 2022, are the first two words that come to your mind wisdom and understanding? See, in other words, if you don't know who you are in Christ, you can't walk in all of this. Kenneth Hagin used to say that people who don't walk by faith sure miss a lot. 
There's not 24 hours this does not afflict me. You have no idea. You have no idea. We know wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people. And they do without. Wonderful people. And they're scratching. I'm talking about in the ministry. They're scratching and clawing. Wonderful people. We love them. We love them. Relatives. Oh, don't get me on relatives. And I have to be so careful. Because, you know, once you offend somebody, you can't talk to them anymore. But on a very rare occasion, I'll, I'll take one of my messages. Uh, Sue's easier. Uh, if, if I send some guys a text and a link to one of Sue's messages, somehow that's, I don't know, not as offensive. I don't know. But anyway, but, but I do that very rarely. Or to a relative. Because I am aware and don't think I'm not. I am totally and completely aware that I don't deserve any of this. But I believe God. And I confess, I, I had the strength to confess his word, believe his word, and take action on his word. And Deuteronomy 28, you do well to go back and study that again and meditate on that again. It says that the blessing, capital T-H-E, capital B, the blessing will overtake you and overwhelm you. And that's where we live. And I know it. I know it. There was a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful man and his church was failing. Wonderful man. And Tiff Shuttlesworth was here once and he said, have you ever thought about taking that church under the umbrella of Faith Christian Center? And I could tell he wasn't expecting my answer. I said, why would I do that, brother? I said, why would I tie an anchor to my speedboat ministry? I mean, I've never owned a cigar boat like what they have in Miami, but I think that'd be cool. If I ever owned a boat, man, it'd be like one of those things with, you know, God knows how much horsepower. I mean, you know, if I owned a boat, that's what, what, what somebody say, are you going fishing in that? No, no, this is not about fishing. <laughs> this is about speed. And that's what Faith Christian Center is in the church world. You know, I saw a link of a, a few minutes of a church service of a friend of mine, and, you know, God bless them. Having to close their schools, having to do this, having to do that. You know, I think God bless. I don't judge a thing. But there's not 24 hours. This does not cross my thinking. 
But see, I, it's like you find folks here tonight. I can't go home with you and do it for you. You have to, you have to run with a vision. That's why the prophet said, write the vision down and run with a vision. The herald's got to run with a vision. That's what I did. I heard these great fathers in the faith and I just took them at their word. I took God at his word first. And then under that, I took these great fathers in the faith at their word and I just did it. I wrote an article years and years ago. There used to be a, a sister publication to Charisma Magazine called Ministries Today. And I wrote an article in the, and submitted it and they published it, Jesus is Healing the Sick. Well, lo and behold, I get an invitation from Oral Roberts to come to a meeting at the top floor conference center of the City of Faith. The children were little and in those days I might travel by myself. It wasn't that much longer later that I, I never traveled by myself. But in those early days, I went up there by myself. There were about 15 men up there. And uh, oh, Roberts asked me to stand up, say something. I stood up, said something. I can still, when I call his name, I can feel his right arm around my back and over my shoulder. And when I got done saying whatever I said, he, he turned me around and he looked at me and he said, now when you go home, he said, you practice preaching the word of God to where you can feel the anointing of God bounce off the back wall and come at you. And at that point in time, we were meeting in one third of the ballroom up there at the Ramada Inn. And I just, that's, that's not in the Bible, but I don't see anything in the Bible that contradicts that. So I just came home and I just started doing what he said. And I, I would preach the word of God until I could feel the power of God bounce off that wall, come back and hit me. And we filled the ballroom, the third. One, we filled the third, we filled two thirds, we filled it all, then we went to two services and we were filling both services and we moved from the hotel to our own property which we and the building we built. Ed Young Jr. told me, he said he, he never even heard of anybody doing that. But that was Oral Roberts. He told me how to do it. But how many people would say, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know how to do that. I don't think I have to do that. That would be a big one in 2022. I don't think I have to, because nobody thinks they have to do anything. And I did that. I did that up at I-30. Filled that room. Filled it a second time. Should never have gone to three services. Shambok told me it was a mistake, but uh, we had a good showing at the third service, but not, I should not have done that. But anyway, so just following one of my fathers in the faith, just doing what he said. But I could ask for a show of hands right now. How many people have opened up a retirement savings account? and you're faithfully putting a piece of your income into that. How many people here tonight have decided on a number in your own mind that you want to believe God for and then gone to God and said, how much of a seed do you want me to sow to believe you for X? See, I can't do it for you. You have to do it for yourself. I feel like this is on my mind every 24 hours. I feel like I, feel like I, I picked the lot. 
I got in. But were all his sons and his daughters. So I, Fred Price used to say, oh, I know, I know, I know. It's just that I'm special. No, it can't be that. He was, he was being facetious. It can't be that. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. He lavished it on us with all wisdom and understanding. See, I was meeting in one-third one third of the bay of that ballroom. And my answer was in the mouth of a man of God. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, the mystery of his will which he purposed in Christ. You know, before we came out here, I was meditating on Isaiah 119 in the Living Bible. If, if, if you will only obey me, if you will only let me help you, I will make you rich. This, this is the will of God. He has revealed unto us the mystery of his will. Say it out loud. Tell your neighbor, he has revealed unto us the mystery of his will. This generation is going to be judged harshly because the, the, there's two reasons people leave Faith Christian Center, tithing and drinking. And on that tithing thing, see, here we are, the good people of the United States of America, whether you're a Christian or not, and we're being ruled. You know, we talk about Russian oligarchs, but we're being ruled by oligarchs. I mean, what does Bill Gates know about anything? I don't know what he did on Epstein's Island, but when his wife found out about it, she divorced him and hasn't had a thing to do with him since. So he's a health expert? Did you know he's not even allowed in India because of the medical experiments they've done on Indian citizens with vaccines? There are places in Africa he cannot go because they've used these vaccines to experiment. I mean, who cares about Indians and Africans? So let's do experiments on them. I'm not making this up. Search it online. So we're ruled. We talk about Russian oligarchs, but we have that here. I only know of one full gospel billionaire. That's ridiculous. I only know of one full gospel billionaire. That's ridiculous. I go out to walk Monday after Sunday sermon and the Lord said do you realize you're worth five times what your dad was worth when he died do you realize you're worth two and a half times what your father-in-law was worth when he died and he said and you're still living and he said and not only that you've got over seven million dollars on credit in the bank of heaven and I'm just a preacher I'm just, those men were self-made businessmen who owned their own businesses. But I'm, here I am, trying try to, I mean, they were about as spiritual as a fence post. And here I'm trying to talk God's people, and you know, if you could just make a hundred a year, you know, if you could just, you know, pay your house off.
There is so much more out there in God if you would just let me talk you into it. If you would just let me talk you into it. And this scripture is almost an unknown quantity today in the church world. And notice the first sentence, I'm going to quit, in him. And that's the key to the whole thing, in him, that is in Christ we have redemption. From Satan's dominion, from Satan's authority, and from Satan's curses of the law, we have past tense redemption. And we know this from Colossians 1.13, that he, was, he has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Translated, that's past tense. So I am no more, I will be no more in the kingdom of God the day after I pass or the day after the rapture than I am right now. I am just as much in Christ standing here right now as I will be the day after I die or the day after the rapture. If we would just comprehend that one thing, it would, re it would revolutionize and change our lives. We are in Christ. Tell your neighbor, we're in Christ right now. Tell the neighbor on the other side, we are in Christ right now. Jesus has become our new Lord. He is our caretaker, the guarantee, guarantor of our ability to reign over the forces that once dominated us. They might have dominated us, but they're not dominating us now. Deuteronomy 28, it talks about the curses. The curses can, they'll, they'll overtake you, they'll overwhelm you. But in the first third of the chapter, it talks about the blessing. If you'll obey God, if you'll let him help you, if you'll obey God, if you'll let him help you. If, but see, we have, we, we actually are, are better off in the New Testament because we have the leading of the Holy Spirit. They didn't have that back then. They didn't have the leading of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about Man by man, woman by woman. The prophets were moved along by the Spirit of God, but the believers didn't have that. But we have that. And we're still trying to get that video from the Hagen Ministries where Kenneth Hagen talks about that vision and what the Lord told him in that vision. He said he didn't mind his people being rich. He minded his people being covetous. And that's an interesting word because that's exactly what's going on with this Bernie Sanders culture, this Bernie Sanders generation, and that's in the church. See, the socialist wants everything you have except your job. And it's in the church. That's what that hyper-grace heresy is we talked about a couple of Wednesdays back, that it doesn't matter what you do. That's ridiculous. It absolutely matters whether or not I go home tonight and eat five bags of Doritos or a half a pound of cauliflower and broccoli. And one is so much more appealing than the other, but I will get two completely different results. So... Tell your neighbor, it does matter what you do. Tell the neighbor on the other side, it does matter what you do.